Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29, a podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. I'm here with Glenn Willis. We're recording on a, I don't even know what night it is, but it's trade deadline night. Uh, all the trades are done. The Hawks made a couple of moves on the periphery. And I guess, first of all, Glenn, uh, what style of offense will truly unlock Bruno Fernando? Oh, it's it's always been the DHO pistol that stuff. He's been he's pretty terrible diving in the pick and roll. He just it's funny he has pretty good. Yeah, I would say average hands or maybe above average hands, exchanging the ball and DHO and pistol and all that. But with diving to the rim, he can't catch anything. <laughs> so that would always made it an interesting fit to think about how he would fit with Trey. Um, you know, so but we'll see. I mean, I was a fan of I was a fan of Bruno potential i would say before so i'm kind of kind of it's kind of i guess excited to see him see him back um but yeah on, on the periphery is uh a good way to put that especially compared to all the other moves that were made around the league. <laughs> he's back and we still get to play the hits um we do. but I, I speaking of that though like i don't know where i saw it but there were people rejoicing that there was a uh a center like he was going to be the backup and that's of course clearly not the case that's Sonyeko Kongwu yeah of course just, I mean I, just to be real clear well I mean if you want to I mean so um yeah I mean if if Clint has to miss time right then I think he's gives them more defensively than what Frank needs right and you know Frank gave them some offensive juice in one or two games this year and kind of made a difference in one or two games, which may be the most you could expect if you're a third string guy. Um, but Bruno gives 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 you a lot more of kind of, you know, what what you need on defense there. And then, I mean, the more, I mean, Anyaka is really growing right now, like really growing right now. And you have to think that it it's, I don't, I don't, not, I don't want to fast forward, but you have to think that maybe part of bringing Bruno in now, especially since he's non-guaranteed for, Two two more years, um, I think two more years, potentially three. I I I don't my notes are bad here, but um, if you feel like you, it, it's unfair or doesn't, it's unfair to Clinton and Yaka to keep them both to, on the same you know depth chart, and or moving one of them, um, that maybe allows you to get something at a different position that helps you. Then you maybe you already have your backup center for that contingency if they feel like they need to make a move with one of those two centers, you know, in the off season. So, um, so I, there's some logic there to me. You know, uh, it seems like some forward thinking, some planning, and you know, so you know, I I I thought that move was fine. I think t- what they turned Justin into essentially was absolutely fine. And Frank, Justin, and Frank. Um. The big move is the one they didn't make. JC. John Collins is still a hawk. Yep. Is that good? Won, is that bad? They won the they won the deadline. In my book. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can you know, strangely I, do it that way, can't you? I, I think you can. I think I think you can. Um, I mean it's it continues to be very weird to me that there's all this speculation and all these rumors every offseason. And then it would end season, and the closer we get the deadline, the bigger the noise gets. This is—is is this the third year that that's been the case? I, um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, 
it's it's just it's strange to me because he and Clint fit so so well together on defense and um and offense. I feel like people who boil his his value down to whether he's making three point shots or not, which I'm not saying it's not a big deal. It is. It, it matters, right? But people who think that that's what kind of defines whether he's giving you offensive value or not, that makes no sense to me. You know, um, he's he even though it's incremental, it's like even in the last two or three games, like his he made a few passes on the move. You know, you know he's he's cutting in, and for me, like. I can look at what he does on the court on both ends and see how much value and how, how much of a glue guy he's like that. He's the glue piece for this team to me. But on top of that, he's a great teammate. He plays hard, whether he's getting shots or not, he works hard. He organizes on defense. If he needs to slide over and play center, he slides over and played center, even though some matchups are tough for him. Cause he's not, you know, he's built more for speed than, than for, you know, a lot of physical play. And he just does anything you ask him to do. And he does it with a, good spirit and good energy and good team mindedness. And I just don't know why that's not a guy you just want to kind of make a real part of your foundation, unless John just feels strongly behind the scenes. Maybe he's that he wants to go where he somewhere he has more opportunity. And you and I've had that conversation before. I would understand that because I think he can do a whole lot more um, as a player. And maybe, you know, he wants a chance to kind of um, develop a legacy that he believes he's capable of in a different situation but i almost respect him more if he feels that way because he continues playing hard continues um serving as a good teammate etc etc but in my mind like if if i I had a a franchise i never will but like that's the guy i'd want to be like a core human being you know that i build around so that those those are my thoughts. So I, I was I was thrilled to see that he's still on the team. I know that some Hawks fans who were making maybe hoping for a big move, JC would have of course had to be in anything really big that they did. I, I would think, um, maybe disappointed. I understand you know a lot of fans want a big splashy move, but for me, I think it's in their best interest, short term, long term, to keep him uh, in the mix. Yeah, it's definitely the best move for the short term. I can't fathom any alternate reality where trading John Collins makes you better for the next two months. Like, if the Hawks have any real aspirations for what they're going to do this season, they kind of had to keep him. Uh, There were no replacements out there for him that were going to substantially improve the team in my mind. I mean, you just look at the five-man numbers. Five-man numbers are wonky, but... I mean that's that's one of the best lineups in the league uh mm-hmm. when they when they're healthy and it's you know it's a matter of of depth really I mean that's that's really where where the Hawks needed to change what they have I guess right it, it's a weird thing because you start looking at all these pieces and you're like you know how is it going to fit together and it, it's it seems a little bit odd right now because it's almost like they have too many players because they're, you know, really healthy for the first time all season. The, you know, the last couple of weeks have been the first times where it's like, Hey, here's the injury board. There's nobody on it. Like that hasn't been the case up until now. So you've got some depth and some insurance for when you need it, although they might not need it here right off the top. But that was the thing that Landry Fields kept going to, you know, in his, his first 
availability with the media since the trade, uh, you know, earlier this evening, you know, he didn't really get into specifics about rotation. You know, he did mention that he thought Sadiq Bey could be a, a power forward at times in the right, in the right situations. But he said he was, you know, he really wanted to leave sort of the rotation and the lineup stuff up to Nate. And the only real trait that he ascribed to Sadiq was really just, you know, he kept saying depth, 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 depth. That was the word he kept going back to. So that that's clearly what they were after in making this move. You know, my question after seeing the trade, and we can get into the, all the sidelines about value and this and that and the other thing, but like if you look at sort of the long-term vision for the Hawks, is the move for Sadiq Bay looking into next season something where you think that the Hawks may lean towards John over Bogdan Bogdanovich in the future? Yeah, yeah I think that's possible. Um, you know, it, 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 I think I, I think the fact that he can play at the three and the four gives you some flexibility around how you kind of want to build at the forward position going into next year. Um, and and I, you know. If there is a driver for looking at moving JC, it's that, that his contract, if he's going to be kind of on a smaller role, I, I think you may feel like there's just a, a better way to to leverage, you know, salary cap space and all that, right? So, and I, I mean, I read, I, I, I forget um, who I read today, but I think Sadiq is who will be extension eligible at the end of the season. At the end of looking, next, oh, at the end of this season. But basically, his contract goes for another season and a half. Right, right. But he's extension eligible right. this year, yes, just like DeAndre Hunter was this past offseason. Yep. Right? And that, I mean, that the reporting that I saw was that he's looking for a low to mid teens. So, like 460 to 464, you know, maybe 470, you know, kind of kind of in that range, um, which, you know, seems more than I'd want to give him right now. But you get, you get him for a good couple months. To, you know, and and see how he kind of integrates. Says you know, so I I do think it gives him some flexibility. You know, he's guaranteed next year. It's the you know, um, Detroit um, you know picked up as they do with guys on rookie scale contracts. You know, you have a certain to a certain deadline to do that. He's uh, four point five million for next year. That's he's probably a good value player on that number. You know, for next year, right? Even if he's your first forward off the bench, your you know your backup kind of you know guy there, and so you know, and as a player, um, I think he's a good shooter. You know, he's not a bogey level shooter, but bogey's an elite shooter. AJ's an elite shooter, um, but for a guy who has as much size on the wing as he has, you know, good shooter. Um, d- defensively, he's a little bit challenged, but I think the value that he brings is that he is bigger and physical and if you're trying to kind of manage the rotation with whether guys missing or not or whether the roster looks like looks like next year he's just going to keep like aj off of the bigger you know wings in the league it, it, when you're going up against a team like that has Kawhi and pg right you, you just can't get aj right now kind of caught on that situation so and then if hunter misses time you at least he's not close to DeAndre Hunter as a as a defender, not even in the same realm. <laughs> but at least it's a guy who has some size, yeah. and you you know the size helps you switch. 
I think about a guy like, you know, PJ Tucker, you know, who basically brings offensive value in the form of being physical and crashing the boards and being, you know, uh, and he's just, you know, Sadiq Bey has the kind of body and he has a, a willingness to be physical, just just kind of deal with that where you don't want an AJ or a bogey dealing with that. Um, you know, in, in some cases, uh, you know, he, Sadiq is a lot more physical than Hunter, you know, and then there's just like, I mean, I want to throw this guy out there for four minutes and go like let him just be super physical with PJ Tucker or someone like that, you know, and so it, it's the versatility the roster versatility the rotation of versatility that has someone who has a little something else to offer he's not good at keeping defenders in front in space you know he's um i don't know how good of a team defender he is he's it, they've had young bigs the last two years in detroit so it's hard to read that it'll be it'll be interesting to see like if clint uh, clint can especially how much good organization he brings if bay looks like a better team defender in a in a veteran rotation uh and all of that so i'm a, i i my view of sadiq bay is like i don't think the hawks had did a made a great move or a terrible move i'm open-minded to see what he can look like in this environment with a little bit more veteran um players around him and and not having to um kind of do too much where he can kind of just slide in kind of kind of provide what's needed now as a young guy who's looking to get paid is he going to buy into, you know, the opportunity he has here? That'll be another kind of thing. I don't know much about him personally. You know, I know, I know it's, it's normal for young players to want to show what they can do when they're trying to get paid. And I would not criticize him for that at all. So there's a lot of lot going on, I think, there with him. But I'm open minded to seeing like what he can give them and seeing what he how he's willing to handle himself and how he's willing to except likely an opportunity that's probably not quite what he hoped it would be right now, but he's on a team that could make some noise, you know, in, in some ways this year. And that may be a different form of opportunity than he had in mind, but an opportunity still. Yeah. I want to go a lot of, a lot of different directions, <laughs> but you know, going back to the, the salary point that you made, like, I think, you know, today was a weird day because there were a number of trades where it's like, here, have this basket of second round picks. It was like this strange day where everybody was afraid to trade a first round pick, but there were lots of trades yeah. of multiple, multiple second round picks. And that's, you know, what was the case in the Bay trade. Right. Like, I, I and think the, and it the Josh Richardson and Devontae Green trade. Like, yeah. What's that? And like that trade that the, I think the Pelicans sent out four picks with Graham to get Josh Richardson. So there's right. there a number of them like that. Yeah, there were a lot of picks like that. And I, I sort of think to me that sort of says, you know, the Hawks aren't really looking at this move as, hey, uh, let's bring this guy in and, you know, let's sign him up this summer to this big extension. I really doubt, given, you know, what they've got to pay in the future for some of their players, that that's anything that they would have in mind. I think they're buying it for, you know, this season and next and, right. you know, trying to go from there and, I do sort of think that, and it's not it's not in a vacuum where it's like, okay, well, you bring Bay in because you want him to replace Bogey. Like he can't handle the ball, he can't do any of the not things creator, offensively yeah. that Bogey can do other than shoot. But you know, you're going to get a lot of that from AJ. Like AJ's not going to be a rookie next season, and he's he's something. <laughs> like he's he's, he's special. Like he, you know, he really is special. Like I, is. I don't know what he's going to become 
and you know you don't want to sort of burden him with expectation but you know he is doing things at 19 years old that players that are 19 years old just do not do like right so you know he's unique um and that doesn't make him the best player in the world but you know he he's done unprecedented things at his age in in being as efficient as he is and that's certainly an eye-opener and you know that that might lend itself to you know the franchise thinking, hey, maybe maybe JC needs to be a piece going forward, and and Bogey isn't. When you're trying to sort of squeeze everything in under the luxury tax, um, yeah, yeah, I agree. I think the, if the plan is this year, just obviously to continue playing Bogey and kind of AJ in the role that he's in, and next year if you feel like you have to do whatever you have to do to kind of get Bogey off the books, then. AJ can presumably in year two take a bigger offensive role, a little bit more creation and a little bit more of kind of what Bogey gives you now. And then you have City Bay who can just kind of play next to AJ as an option at the three and and not expose AJ to these, you know, uh tough defensive assignments. Um from that standpoint. Again, that that's not I don't want to mislead anyone or be confusing about saying, you know, Sadiq Bay is not a above average defender. You right. know. Um, but it's a little bit like DeAndre Hunter without the defense, which is kind of like saying, you know, here's a car without tires. But uh, right. you know, he, right. he's, you know, he has a lot of the same offensive tendencies, which is, you know, he's a really good shooter, um, yeah. and you know, he he plays very sort of sort of rigidly. He's very sort of upright player, yeah. and you know, he's not he's not super fluid in terms of like keeping the flow of the offense going. Right, you know, and as a thing that Hunter runs into, so you you you're getting, you know, sort of some good and bad uh, multiplicity in having both him and Hunter around. I don't think that you want to actually have a whole lot of lineups with both of them out there because I think that could lead you into some problem problems in terms of playmaking. Yeah, I mean, Hunter shows the flashes now. Then, and you know, in that slot you know pick and roll but it's still not something i would want at a high volume at all and um but no, i mean i think bay what the hawks asked for out of those guys is catch and shoot re on on the closeout with a closeout defender relocate or one dribble in or one dribble simple pass you know catch shoot catch move and that's not what he's wanted to be you know in his career i think he felt like he had an opportunity in Detroit to kind of make, you know, eat up a lot of usage, especially this little bit this year with Jeremy Grant not on the team anymore, you know. And so, but I, hopefully he has people around him explaining that if you can be a guy who just will knock down shots, make the simple plays, and play hard on defense and work hard as a team defender, you can make a lot of, at his size, he can, you can make a lot of money in your career. And you have and a long career. A long career, totally. And he reminds me a little bit of, this might sound like sacrilege, but if you watch Solomon Hill when he started in in the in Indiana, you know, um, you know, he wasn't a shooter. He had to develop himself into being yeah. a bit of a shooter. Um, but it, defensively, he he didn't move well. He was big. He was physical. But he really made himself into a really valuable defender as a team defender, as an organizer, as a guy who connects and communicates. And all that sort of stuff. Solo never got to the point where he could really keep, you know, average or above average kind of guys in front. That wasn't like what his deal is. 
And so I, I have no idea if Sadiq Bey has kind of the makeup that Solo, you know, had, but Solo had a nice career, you know, a nice career earnings. And even today, he's very well respected and he's valued, you know, towards the end of his career for the leaders to be brought. And, you know, they almost have kind of a similar frame and a similar kind of athleticism, a strong, a strength, you know, form of athleticism more than kind of mobility and agility and things like that. And so, it just kind of makes me, you know, think like, well, you know, could that be, uh, that be an defensively, especially that'd be kind of an ideal outcome for him. But a lot of it is just buying into, you know, I, I go back to summer league when Nick Van Exel was talking to, I can't remember which guard it was in summer league. And, um, but one of the guards in summer league was talking after a game and me by Billy said, you know, Nick Van Exel tells me my path to having a career in the league is on defense, to be a dog on defense, to work hard on defense, and just to really kind of put, but you know, and for for a lot of guys in the league, it's like just a willingness to buy in to be a hard worker and a good team defender, you know, and I'm interested to see with some structure and some defensive leadership that this team has to offer that, that exists in Detroit for where they are in their life cycle, um, what he shows. So I'll be I'll be interested to see. Oh, it's been a long day. I had a question. I've completely forgotten what it was. Oh, I know so, what it was. I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. We're not done yet today. My brain is not shut off. Um, it, it it's, it's like this weird competing mix of like, I'm a little bit worried that Sadiq Bay is going to take some of Jalen Johnson's minutes. Mm-hmm. But I'm mildly intrigued with how those two players might fit together if they're playing at the same time. Does that make sense? Totally. Okay, so yeah. let's let's start with the mix. What would you expect out of those two sort of having in terms of playing together, you know, where one sort of fills in gaps for the other and vice versa? Well, it, it helps, I think, because Jalen gives you more weak side rim protection and a lot of, a lot of rebounding. So that that helps you a ton next to Anyeka, especially if it's if it's in Anyeka minutes, right? That little extra rebounding that you tend to need with Anyeka, even though Anyeka has been rebounding a lot better lately. Um, uh, and and then Jalen just gives you the ball handling that Sadiq Bay doesn't, right? In the passing equity. So whenever you're going to play a guy at the three, that's a little bit like Hunter, where the ball handling is not what you might want it to be, and the passing is not what you want it to be. If you can kind of get that at the four. I think it just fits a lot better, which is why I think your point is is perfect. Really, that it'd be interesting to see that you know how Jalen gives you typically what you're more likely to get the three in the form of initiating, you know, passing ball handling, and Bay gives you the kind of that spot up four where, where you know recent five, eight, ten years, a lot of organizations want a stretch four who can stand in the you know weak side corner and just knock down the shots gallo you know those types and stuff like that so i think they are an interesting fit together and then if you kind of throw aj kind of in the mix too whether it's aj or bogey kind of at the two or whatever that might look like and if you might play even aj plus bogey plus sadiq plus Jalen and get trey and and dejante maybe a little less staggered you know that's it's just an option um, as, as if you're feeling comfortable with kind of, especially with AJ's kind of bringing along and if you feel comfortable empowering Jalen. So I think there's a lot of opportunity to actually get back to being 10, 11 deep and not playing such a short rotation. And every time there's a close game, getting down to like eight, 
an eight man rotation in the second half, that's just not gonna really kind of get them where they need to be. You know, play about thirty seven minutes a game, two or three, four straight, straight games in a row. So I think you know some of the benefit of getting these guys, and we can maybe talk about Garrison Matthews in a minute too. But um, it's just to, to have the option to play eleven guys uh, when you're doing uh, three and five nights, you know, or or whatever that is. And I think and Sadiq Bay is a, a professional guy who knows what's expected of him, knows what to do. Buying in, we'll see. You know, I, I, I'm not going to judge it one way or the other because I just don't know much about him in that sense right now. Um, but you know, and, and Bruno's, you know, he he knows what's needed of him. You know, so it just, I think it just kind of gives you that that sense of uh, Clint needs a night off. You know, someone gets a foul trouble. They just, they just have somewhere to turn now that they really didn't have that. You know, Frank was non viable defensively. You know, um, they're not getting anything this year from Vit. You know, um, Tyrese Martin's not going to give them what you need down the stretch. Hold on, hold on. Them. Bruno is Bruno is going to fortify the V team in being beloved amongst you know the deep bench players like everybody is very excited for Bruno coming back uh, yeah I'm excited I'm just saying that like um no, I'm know, just messing with you yeah, all right I mean, give we, us your Garrison we, Matthews we, we, we were getting we were getting Jared Culver minutes early in the season and he made a difference in a couple of games and you know we're yeah. grateful oh, for, for sure. that but that's that wasn't sustainable you know uh Garrison Matthews so I have to say I know a little bit more about him than you'd think because he's a college classmate of my daughter's okay so, um, but uh, a, a better shooter than his numbers would suggest so far. Uh, I think he spent both of his first two seasons on two-way contracts. I, I think that's true. I think that's right. Um, and a, a better athlete, like a, a, a little quicker than you'd think, uh, based on reputation, a little stronger than you'd think, and really knows how to play. I mean, he really, really knows how to play. Um, his ball handling, you know, if you think of him as a guard, you know, probably average you know but he just knows how to play and that's that's a that's a that's just kind of a, a nice option to have someone there uh in the mix and he's non-guaranteed for two more years um as well bruno's non-guaranteed for two or three more years my i only wrote the next two i think there might be a, a third one for bruno um and then you know so there's just they don't have to carry these guys into next year you know, um, I, I think Matthews is on the contract where he's not fully guaranteed until like the Jan 10 ish date where Bruno has a um, a guaranteed date just before July 1st. You know, so they're kind of different roster or, uh, contract structures and stuff. But uh, I mean, Garrison Matthews can is a competent guy to just throw out there if you need to and give you a little shooting, a little ball handling, a little defense, probably a better defender than Sadiq Bay. Um, hard to tell because he was in Houston, kind of similar situation where there wasn't a ton of structure out there. Um, but I, I think I think Garrison Matthews might surprise a little bit. I just I don't know how much opportunity he's going to get unless unless they just have to start like unless they just have to like stop playing bogey on back to backs, you know, or something along those lines. So I think I think he's a surprisingly good player, but he was on a roster with you know Ty Ty Washington and. Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green, there was no real opportunity for him there. And not that there's automatic opportunity here, but I just think he could do a little bit more than what maybe Hawks fans who aren't familiar with him might think. No, that's a good point at the end because I think one of the things you'll see is that he can kind of shoot off motion, which is not what you're going to highlight with what Houston is doing on offense. So that's fair. 
anything else you want to tackle tonight? I think I've gone through my full complement of questions. Uh, just briefly, like, what team did you like their move? If you can even remember, I had to make notes. I, so I'll be honest. Yeah, I'm rusty. Uh, I, I so think I, one that we differed on was J, uh, McDaniels. I think, Jalen McDaniels? Yeah, in Philadelphia. You think he's going to help them? I mean, I think he's going to help them more than Tybal was going to. Yeah, I think he's going to drive Doc crazy. But oh, I say that mostly because he fouls a ton. Still, okay. so but maybe maybe they can get him fixed, and you know, I mean, maybe with Embiid there, he can instead of you know Mason Plumlee, who's that? Who the Clippers went out of their way to get? Yep, which is weird. Um, the Clippers also traded Luke Kennard. Yeah, for why? For what? <laughs> you know, so I, yeah, I don't know. I guess because they wanted to make room for Eric Gordon to come in, like yeah, moving, probably. Yeah, so that's that's just weird. So, I mean, we, we don't have to break down Kevin Durant to the Suns. It was the big splash. I don't know how the Suns get enough defense to make it all yeah, work. I, unless, I don't, unless Booker I mean, and KD just... Actually, that's a good one. question, though. Actually, that was the other question I had that I forgot. So, let you can continue in a second, but don't. I wanted to ask you about the buyout market. Maybe we do that okay. in a future pod, but go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, so, but I mean, then we saw tonight, like, you know, Wainwright and Akogi... Where I mean they were they looked good defensively tonight. You know they were disruptive. They were creating turnovers. So so maybe the the Suns were like we can send out Cam Johnson and we can send out McCall Bridges because we got these you know cheaper guys that we can kind of just slide up into the, you know. So but I still like DeAndre Ayton. His defense I think is the major issue for the Suns yes. now and in the postseason, and I think that trans. A ton of defensive workload to KD and Booker, which is not what you want. And even CP now at this stage, you don't want that either. And so I just feel like that formula only works if they are historically great in offense, which they might be, you know, but that's that's usually alone not enough. So, you know, I'm worried about them. Some people like what the Lakers did. Um, I, you know, I, I don't really see um, how D'Angelo Russell is really going to like move the needle for them, you know. Um, you probably like him more than like Dennis Streeter, you know, kind of handling that role. But and and you know, and D'Angelo Russell is better than he was two or three years ago. He's still not that guy. The ones I liked, I love Memphis sending out Devontae Graham and getting back Josh Richardson. Devontae Graham can't play in the playoffs. He's just too little defensively. He's going to get picked on. And Josh Richardson is a guy who has the size and the defensive competence to actually play. You know. And so I thought that was a really, really good move for them. And I thought Memphis going out to get Luke Kennard. Anything you can do to take the ball out of Dylan Brooks' hands is good. And I think that uh, Memphis um, probably was pursuing that kind of recalibration. And so those were kind of viewed as kind of just go get one guy. I thought Memphis and New Orleans did quite well, uh, you know, today, kind of, kind of in that sense. I mean, Jay Crowder fits Milwaukee a lot. Jay Crowder will let them play Giannis at the five against teams that want to go small in the playoffs, like Miami. and like That's a great matchup for Boston. Jay Crowder in, at the four, Giannis at the five against Boston is, is a great option they didn't have before. Yep. So, the, you know, I like that too. Um, you know, so, and then, I mean, the Knicks, I mean, getting Josh Hart was great. I think that's really interesting. I think it's, I think it's going to be a lot much harder for the Hawks to catch them. Now, so, you know, the, I like those teams that kind of had a singular move, bringing in a guy who's going to kind of fill a gap 
upgrade a spot rather than like this massive kind of set of like Clippers did a volume of moves. Lakers kind of did a volume of moves and then the, the, the Phoenix rolled the dice with KD, mm-hmm. which uh, makes a lot of sense in on some levels, but I, yeah, I don't know mm-hmm. how far that's actually going to take him. So that's kind of just my broader reaction to everything that kind of happened. And I'm sure I missed some stuff there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm entirely with you on, on the Crowder Milwaukee fit. I think that's ideal and, should really solidify what they're going to need for the later rounds of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Phoenix, you know, kind of a segue, like, is there somebody that they can get on the buyout market? Because I'm really worried about, like, well, you know, how do you you deal with Kawhi in a playoff series? How do you deal with Luka in a playoff series with what they have on their roster right now? Like, that seems like a critical uh, hole in what they've got. Like, I, I think, you know, the, what's the I path? Yeah. I can't think of a, a guy who's out there. I mean, I think Reggie Jackson may land with them. Um, but um, I think it's J.O. I think I, I, I love, I love him. I love J.O. I, he's sure. smart. You know, sure. I loved him to get that opportunity. I don't know if that's what you want to do if you're trying to win a title, you know, mm-hmm. but I would have a lot of fun watching him. I just think he's so smart, so resourceful, such a great team defender. Will take on any assignment, and I would just love him. He's kind of been buried for a couple of seasons, you know. And I would love him to get that opportunity. I I can't. I don't know who's out there. I, I like. I don't. I I just don't know who who's out there. I, there's more like backup point guards, and you know, you know, a John Wall and a. Pat Beverly probably gets bought out right in Orlando and uh you know so there's more of those types yeah I don't think I don't think Phoenix goes against Pat Beverly and says go guard Kawhi even though Pat Beverly would say sign me up Pat Beverly says sign me up <laughs> um so I I just don't see the defenders kind of that, yeah. that are out there for that so but they you know Wayne Wright's a physical dude and J.O. is I think really underrated as a defender in the league but I mean you moved on you know one of the single best wing defenders in the whole league to get KD. And that it's just, lot, it's just interesting to me that they couldn't like find some way to, to do that without giving him up. But yeah, I think that's KD, the pivotal so. difference. Like I think they're the, I I would make them the championship favorites if they kept bridges. And then yeah, or even bridges, if they kept like, Cam Johnson, like one or the other Cam Johnson or McCaw, you know, Cam Johnson's not as good as bridges, but yeah. still like some size and some, some shooting yeah. and, you know, some, some depth yeah. there. So, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge J.O. fan, so I'm I'm rooting for him to be the solution. So the Hawks are done, right? Like, you look at the bio market for them and what they did salary-wise today, and they're still skirting too close to the sun to be adding anybody, yep. correct? Agreed. So they're 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 officially done. Done. Like don't yeah. don't don't get your hopes up for the. Bio I mean, if they market. hadn't already fully guaranteed bit for the season, or you know, if there was something like that that was still available, then maybe. But I I think they're done, and I think they I think they have eleven firm firm eleven guys. So I think they're gonna. I think they're. This is it. All right. Well, thanks, Glenn. I appreciate you taking the time, and we'll have to uh, parse out some more thoughts soon. That's a lot to digest for one night, but that was pretty good. Appreciate it, Kevin. Have a good night. You too.